you for listening to our podcast. For more information about our church, visit www.therockonline.org. And now, a message from The Rock of Gainesville. We're excited. This is a great day. This is the best day in the world to be alive. It's better than the best cemetery in town. I have driven by a few this morning, and I'm glad to be in church instead. Can you say amen to that? You could be six feet under, but you're still on top, which means you still got a hope. You still got an opportunity to make your life count for Jesus. Amen? God's doing awesome things. Well, in our first service this morning, we had one young man respond to the altar, and that was our 100th salvation since January the 1st of this year. Come on, somebody. Give the Lord a praise. The Word says that all heaven rejoices when one man, one woman comes to Christ because it is the most significant moment of their entire life. Some of y'all been saved so long that you don't even remember what it was like to be lost. Every once in a while, you need to be reminded. Then you will rejoice when one person responds to the goodness of Jesus Christ. Well, I am excited this morning about this message I told the first service, I am supercharged. There is some powerful word that I'm going to read to you today. I'm believing you're going to set yourself in agreement with this word. We're still on the series, Why Church? And today is week four. And this morning, I am talking about why we, say we, why we love the church. And uh, I'm excited about it. I believe if you have a desire to hear, you can hear. And no demon in hell can keep you from hearing the word because the word will change your life. Amen? It'll change you from the inside out. Well, before I get in the word, just a couple of things real quick, real important. Number one, you said, well, Pastor, you said this last week and you said it the week before. I've Actually, we've said it every week this year, but we want to encourage and remind you, intercessory prayer is going on every Sunday morning at 8.45, every Tuesday morning at 6.15. It is a great opportunity for you to come out and join with us as we pray. You know what was so cool this morning? The young man that got saved, he actually came to prayer. He didn't know he was coming to prayer. He thought he was coming to church, but he came in here and stood in here. And before the service started, he walked up to me and says, he said, I need to find my way back home. And I said, you've come to a good place. I could have let him the Lord right then, but I said, you know what? You need to hear the word first. And, uh, and as soon as I gave the word, man, his hand went up. And uh, I'm not certain, but he might be upstairs in grow track right now. It's just, get, just get him to move right in. We'll get him baptized here. And uh, we rejoice because God loves lost people. He loves hurting people. He loves the people that live next door to you. He loves your unsaved family. He loves those you work with that are lost. He loves the people that are just hurting, and they're hurting all over this place. This morning, in intercessory prayer, Pastor Suzanne was leading, and she shared a story out of the Old Covenant, and then she made a statement that was so profound, I wish I had said it because it was so powerful, but I have to give her credit. But she, she is talking about how people come in the house of God, and she said, you know, people will walk through those doors back there, and they walk in as strangers. But because of the power of the Lord Jesus Christ and his blood, and what he's done for us in the church. They walk in strangers, but they have the ability to walk out as family. It was profound. It was profound. You remember when you first came to The Rock? How strange it was, how weird we were, you know, how, how crazy things were. I, we had someone come a couple weeks ago, and, and they said to me, uh, they came to the front, and they said, Pastor George, we, we've been watching you and your wife since y'all moved into this city 31 and a half years ago. He said, last Sunday was the first time we ever came. And I said, well, what took you so long to get here? And, and why did you decide to come after 31 and a half years? He said, man, we wanted to come over the years, but we were scared. <laughs> we heard all kinds of stuff. I said, do you hear the one about us swinging from chandeliers? That's really a miracle because we don't have any chandeliers. But, but I, I've been told we do swing by them. And, and, uh, but they, they came, and they said the first time they walked into this building, husband and wife, they looked at each other 10 minutes into the service, and they said, why did it take us so long to get here? I've been here three weeks in a row. So you walk in as a stranger, but in Christ, man, he does something supernatural in our lives. 
And we, as the body that have been here a long time, we never, we never ever need to forget what it's like for somebody when they walk through those doors back there because they're, they're coming, they're hurting, they've, they've been beaten up by the enemy, they've been lied to and abused, and they, they've gone through all kinds of problems, and they're hurting, and they need a place. They need a place where it's okay not to be okay. We just don't want to make it a place where it's always okay to never be okay. Because it's okay not to be okay, but it's also all right to get healed. It's all right to find family. It's all right to find your purpose in life. It's all, it's all right to find your DNA, who it is that God's joined you to so that you can be about the business that the Father has for you, which the enemy's been trying to rob from you since the day you were born in this world. He's tried to keep you from one thing, from knowing who you are in Christ Jesus and what God's plan is for your life. We're here to break those lies of hell and help every one of us find our place, find our purpose, find out what God has for us. So today, I am going to jump into this message, why we love the church or reasons that we love the church. And, and I'll just have to tell you straight up front, man, I had, I had four points that have been uh, stirring in my heart for a while. But after the third point and eight pages of notes, which I planned to get through this morning because I believe in miracles of God, uh, I, I finally just had to stop and say, there's no way I'm going to make it to point four. And I proved that in the first service. So I'm going to share these points. And I, I pray, first of all, you'll write notes. If you're not writing notes, then go, go online after service and download this stuff. It's on, uh, on the web. It's on uh, version. It's, uh, there's an opportunity to get this, but I believe God wants to say something to you today. Amen? How many of you want to hear something from God today? All right, I'm going to give it to you right out of his word. Number one, first point on why we love the church, because number one, the church is Father God's family. We said this four weeks ago, the church was God's idea. And I, I want you to see this morning through scripture that Father God gave his best, Jesus Christ, to mankind so that mankind would be able to have a relationship with the Father through his son, Jesus Christ. It's the only way that any of us can ever call out Father God and say, Abba, Daddy. One of our precious women in the house's uh, job was terminated a while back, and, and, and the day I heard about it, and she told me, I said, it's okay, God's got something better for you. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't, a, it wasn't like a, you know, cliche faith statement. I mean, that thing leapt out of my spirit. This morning, she caught me between services, and she said, I don't have one good job interview. She said, I've got two job interviews that I get to choose from. Why? Because whenever God closes one door, if we can understand who we are in Christ Jesus, he's got another door, a better door that's going to open for us in his time and in his season. Why? Because he's daddy and he cares about every single area of your life. There's nothing about your life that he's not interested in. Nothing. There's nothing too big. There's nothing too little that God doesn't care about. Every, he cares about your thought life. That's why he gave you the word so that you could renew your mind and get your thoughts cleaned up. How many of y'all need to, don't raise your hand, need to clean up some thoughts this week? You know what I'm talking about? Man, those things just have a way of getting in there. And you go, my gosh, I love Jesus. Where'd that come from? It came from the accuser of the brethren that wants you to be tempted, wants you to give in. Oh, and by the way, after you give in to the temptation, he's going to come beat the hell out of you and tell you how worthless you are for giving in to that temptation. See, when we understand that about who our enemy is, then we know how to fight him. And we know that God's for us and God cares about all the big things and little things of our life. Colossians chapter 1, follow along. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him, all things were created. How many things? For by him, all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions, rulers or authorities, all things. How many things? All things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things and in him, all things, look here, hold together. And he is the head of the body. He is the head of the body. He is the head of the body. The church. Say it. The church. He's the head of the body. The church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. Wow. 
and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. The church was God's idea, and the church is a place where we gather corporately as the church, not in a church, but as the church, we gather. And as we gather as the church, we get things that you can never, ever get when you're by yourself. There are things that you are never going to be able to get in your um, private place of prayer. Hear me. You need to be in your private place of prayer. And there are things you're not going to ever get in your private worship time, but you need to have your private worship time. And there are things you're never going to get in your private word time, but you need to be in the word. There are some things you're going to get when the body of Christ gathers because God shows up in a way that he doesn't show up in any other way, which is the reason the subtle deception of the enemy on America today is to keep us out of the house of God. It's to keep us, give us more things that are more important so that church becomes one of the options that we do on the weekend when there's nothing else to do. Oh, yeah, of course we're going to go to church because we've been gone for three weeks already. Anyhow, we got to get back. We don't want to be parking in the visitor spot this week. Hear me. I want to try to make light because it's not light. Because I am absolutely convinced today that one of the absolute deceptions of the enemy on the church of Jesus Christ is to get us as believers to think that our gathering is optional. When it's not. Jesus is the head of something that is so important. He's going to be here every weekend. Whenever we gather, he is in the midst of his children. Which is why the enemy will try to get us to believe that it's okay. And I'm going to next week, because it's our last week, uh, I'm just going to just, I'm going to just jump in all kind of messy stuff. So if you got the nerve and the guts, come on back to church next week. And just shout me down. Just say amen a lot because if you're here, you know I'm not talking about you, right? <laughs> but, but, but I have got to lay out for us the deceptions of the enemy because most of you are never going to go rob a bank or kill somebody or maybe have an adulterous relationship. But the enemy will find any way he can to distract you. I was reading an article this week, a devotional by Dr. Uh, John Piper, and uh, it's a, a devotional that their ministry puts out. And they were touching on an issue which I thought was qu- quite ironic because uh, they, they were doing a teaching on the church. And in it, he was sharing some new stats that had just come out. And uh, I'm reading these, these stats, and, and he's dealing with why, why we as the Church of Jesus Christ in America don't fully understand what's wrong with the church and why we're not more powerful than we are, more powerful, why we're not as powerful as we should be. And he lays out these stats and he asks the questions, is there any wonder? And the stat was this, that they believe now that across the board in America, that less than 24% of all people who confess Jesus Christ to be their Lord Christians actually attend church more than three times out of every eight weeks. Did you get that? 24% actually attend church more than three out of every eight weeks. Which when you flip that, what that's saying is 74% of the church in America does not make it to church more than three times out of every eight weeks. And we wonder why we're weak. We wonder why we're not full of faith. We wonder why we're not more powerful. We wonder why there's not more miracles. We wonder why there's already always so many chairs empty here at the Rock of Gainesville. In, in America in 2019, pastors, we don't even know how to count anymore. 
People ask, well, how many people are you shepherding, watching over? How many people are you watching over? So there's, it's almost impossible to find any avenue in which to say, oh, we have this many outside of our giving units. In our giving units last year, we had about 1,300 people that paid a tithe or gave an offering in our house. That excludes almost the vast majority of our little kids. But as I asked Fred Shore, one of our head ushers last week, when was the last time you counted more than 700 people on a weekend in our house? What? You have 1,300 givers and, and you barely can, can bust through 700 on a given weekend? You should see your faces. And I'm glad because, see, we have to understand there is an enemy of our soul. And if he can't get you to fail one way, mess up one way, sin one way, he will keep circling the house until he finds out what's your weakness. And can I tell you what our weakness is in America today? Our flesh. We've worked hard by golly. And you're not going to tell me I can't be gone as much as I want to go. Absolutely. I have no ability to tell you anything except to challenge you with a word and truth. Because it's the word that will set us free. See, I believe that the Lord is the promoter of rest time, vacation time, and me time. Just don't ever leave God out of your me time. Amen? Come on, say amen out loud like you, like you believe it. You know, look, y'all are here today. You're in a safe place. Just amen like, yeah, we're praying for all those that aren't here, man. I don't know where they are. But, I, but, but, but can, can I tell you, it's hard-pressed in the church in America today for most people to make it three weeks in a row to church. And yet we say Jesus is the head of the church. He, it was his idea for us together. It's his reason why we come together for supernatural things that we have yet to see. And yet we treat Christ with dishonor and disrespect. Because by golly in America in 2019, I have a right to do what I want to do. You do as long as you're not saved. Come on, somebody smile up here at your pastor this morning. You see, because once you're saved, guess what? You don't belong to you anymore. I'm not my own. I don't answer to me. I don't get up and say, is it okay today if I, to me? Because, man, I'll be, I'll be doing anything and everything just like you would be if you were your God. But we're not God. We make horrible gods. We make bad decisions. We can mess up in the drop of a hat. Which is why we need God. And which is why not only do we need to gather corporately with a discipline, with an intention. Intentionally coming to the house of God. Not just kind of, you know, haphazardly coming. No, we'll check the calendar. Well, you know, do we have tickets to what this weekend? Oh, you know, maybe we should go to church. No, no. With intention, you go to the house of God. With intention, you pray every day. With intention, you worship God every day. With intention, you read the word every day. With intention, you gather from house to house throughout the, the city every single week in small connect groups. Why? Because we need each other. We need each other. Nobody can make it alone. The minute you think you can make it by yourself, you are about to be slapped stupid by the enemy of your soul. He's going to come after you, and he's going to get you to fail and to fall. And then as soon as it happens, condemnation jumps all over you. You start being condemned for the very thing that you did because you gave into the temptation of the enemy, the one who hates God and hates you because he, you look like God, and every time he looks at you, he just gets mad at God. But God saved you, redeemed you, healed you, delivered you. And everything about our lives, not even as, just as adults, but, 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 but as parents over children, that our children will be raised up believing that there's nothing in the world more important than the house of God and the people of God that surround our lives. 
Your children ought to think that everybody in the world is saved because everybody they're always around are people that are building up their family, helping their family, encouraging their family, supporting their family. They're going to church. They're going to prayer meetings. They're going to worship services. They're going to seed offering night. Why? Because there's nothing more important. There's nothing more important because it is the avenue in which God is going to reveal everything to the body of Christ. We in America, and can I just tell you something? This is an American problem. This is not a church world problem. This is an American problem. Because America, there's no other nation any more blessed than Americans. There's no other nation that, that the people have more stuff than we as Americans. Y'all got to stop looking at me because I got to get back to my message because I didn't preach any of this in the first service. And I don't know why, but y'all, y'all need to... Y'all need to hear it to say amen for somebody else. Amen. Amen. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 22 and 23. And he put how many things? He put all things under his feet and he gave him as head over all things to what? To the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. There's something about the church. Suzanne and I were talking the other day on our prayer walk and, and we were just talking about how much we love the church. Not a building. We love the church, the people of God. Whenever we gather, whenever we come in obedience to the word of the Lord, whenever we have an opportunity, this morning, tonight at Seed Offering, what an awesome time. Suzanne and I literally, we, we live excited about the house of God. And some of you would look up here and say, well, pastor, you should. It, 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 it's your career. It's your profession. No, no. Long before we were ever pastors, we were pastors of nobody, only our own lives. We loved the house of God. We were faithful in the house of God. We served the house of God. We never went to the house of God late. We always went to the house. And you say, well, wow, you sure patting yourself on the back. No, I'm just telling you that when you fall fully in love with God, you're going to fall fully in love with God's people. Because I don't believe you can fully love God without loving God's people. Guess what? That's the church. That's the church. If we're ever going to effectively touch the world that we're living in, we first of all got to get it right here at home in our own places of gathering. Ephesians chapter 3 verse 6, this mystery. Say mystery. Don't you just love that word? This mystery is that the Gentiles are fellow heirs. Gentiles. How many Gentiles are in the house today? Okay, unless you're Jewish, you're a Gentile. Okay, so you is. So the mystery is that the Gentiles, look here, are fellow heirs, members of the same body, and partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. The mystery. I love the fact that, that, that God talks about the church and he uses the word mystery. Not mysterious, not mystic. No. Man, we just, we just regular old people that love God with everything that's within us. Outside of God, hear me, church, I ain't got nothing to give any of y'all. Right. Nothing. Nothing good in, in, in me outside of God. Right. There's nothing I can do to touch your life, encourage your life, or help your life outside of what God's already done for me in my life. And because of that, wow, I'm overwhelmed. I, I don't forget where I came from. I, I, don't re, I don't forget remembering how I grew up. I, I, don't, re, I, I don't forget uh, uh, the times of realizing how lost loss is and how lonely lonely is and how hopeless hopeless is. And then Jesus came into my life and he changed me. And I live my life today for the audience of one, to please only one. I, I, I can't please me all the time. I can't please my wife all the time. And I sure enough can't please all of y'all. And the only thing that's good is God. But when you surrender to God, wow, something comes alive on the inside. And can I tell you this morning, if, if, if when I talk this way, you don't feel that same sense inside of you, this sense of joy, happiness, completeness, man, overcoming the, the, the presence of the living God inside of you, then maybe at the end of this service this morning, maybe it's time for you once again to respond and say, Jesus, I just thought I gave you all of my life. 
because I don't feel the way pastor feels. And, th and that stuff doesn't excite me the way it does him. Listen, he's either God or he's not. He's either the Lord of all or he's the Lord of nothing. Jesus is not coming in and fighting the inside of you over what part he gets and what part he doesn't get. He gets it all. Woo! I almost went over the edge there. He gets it all. What would y'all do if I did that? If I do it, should I go ahead and try to do a flip while I'm in the air? Y'all be praying me back to life. That's what y'all be doing. Number two. I got to make something funny in here because this is some serious stuff this morning. Number two, the church is the only thing that has eternal value. Who the church is and what the church does is the only thing that God created that will last for eternity. Wow. That's deep. That's powerful. Nothing else we have, nothing else we build, not our homes, not our clothes, not our cars that we drove here today. Nothing else we have will last for eternity except the church of Jesus Christ. The church. Wow. If you were to ask yourself, do you want to live forever? Your answer would be yes. Are you living forever now? Is your life completely surrendered to Jesus Christ? If it's not, come on, hear me, hear me, hear me. Man, stop playing games. Church, you're not going to get brownie points for coming to church. Church is a place where you come because you're a part of it. You are, the very life of it is, is your expression of who you are, or you need the church. So like I said a while ago, it's okay not to be okay. It's just not okay to come to the house of God and stay not okay for the next 20 years. Come on, somebody. It's okay to get healed. Nobody goes and checks himself in the hospital and says, well, uh, the moving truck will be here in a little while. I got all my stuff coming. Are you crazy? Man, there's all kind of crazy stuff in the hospital. You want to get in there, get whatever you got to do, get out of there. I mean, I know some nurses. My daughter-in-law's one of them. Man, they get home, they don't even walk in their houses with their shoes on they've been working in. Leave that stuff outside. Don't want to take that stuff in the house. We don't go to the hospital to, to move in. You go to the hospital, try to get well. Well, hear me. The church of Jesus Christ is a place where it's okay to come sick because God wants to heal you. God wants to deliver you. God wants to set you free. God wants to redeem you. God wants to forgive you. God wants to cleanse you. God wants to give you a purpose uh, uh, that's bigger than you. God wants to give you a revelation of a life that is just absolutely mind-boggling when you say yes to Jesus. Yes to Jesus, and no to me being God of my own life ever again. It'll be a great day when you can come to that place. Lord, I want you to be Lord of my life, not just my Savior. Everybody wants a Savior, but are you willing to let him be your Lord? Because that's what changes your life. You see, what governments, hospitals, schools, and any other organizations are doing is it's not bad, but it's not eternal. Only the church has eternal value. Only the church will be around when everything else is left behind. And listen to this. When the local church is working right, I love this. When the local church is working right, there's nothing more powerful and breathtaking in all the world than the church of Jesus Christ. Powerful, alive, a well, on fire for the purposes and plans of God, moving and shaking and changing the world. Can a nation be saved in a day? Can a city be reached in a week? Yes, when the church comes alive together for one purpose, and that is to do your will, oh God. No longer mine. But see, in America, we got to shake off this idea that I, I have a right to do whatever I, 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 me, me, me wants to do. Because he's never Lord of your life as long as I and me is in control. I'm preaching to somebody this morning. They might not be here, but I'm preaching it prophetically. We got to die to us. We got to die to us so that there is a place for him. See, I believe the church is a place where, where lost people are found. Where found people grow to love Jesus more and more. Day in, day out, week in, and week out. Where addicts are set free. Yeah. Drug addicts. Yeah. Alcoholics. Yeah. Yeah. Gambling addicts. Sex 
pervert addicts. Man, don't put your nose down on anyone. Everybody needs Christ. And this ought to be a safe place for them to come and meet Christ. Get delivered, get healed, get whole. It's where marriages are restored, where forgiveness is extended, and where God gets all the glory. Amen. Aren't you glad you're part of a church where God gets the glory? Man, we live in a generation today in America where, where a lot of pastors are making themselves kings. And I, can I tell you, it's a dangerous place to try to be king. We got to lead by our love, by our servanthood, by our hearts, by our passion. That all of us together needed a savior. And man, I never forget how much I needed one. Never forget how much God has done for me. I'm not here to be your king or the Lord over you. I'm here and just about every single time I point a finger out at you, God the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost are just pointing right back at me. Just go, don't forget, let it start with you. Don't forget, let it start with you. Don't forget, I'm coming to you first. See, we need to make sure that he gets all the glory in this place. 100 souls have responded to Jesus Christ since January the 1st at the Rock of Gainesville. Oh, man, don't touch the glory of that. Don't touch the glory of that. Man, we started this year, and we were praying, and we were saying, God, we need to hear from you. God, we need your presence. Every time the church gathers, we need you to show up because we're pretty worthless without you. And God, we love lost people because we know you love lost people. And you know what Holy Spirit said? He said, then don't be afraid to ask of me. I said, Lord, what do, you want to, what do you want me to ask for? He said, what did you just say was important? I said, Lord, you love lost people, and, and I love lost people. He said, then ask me for lost people. And every single week without failure since January the 1st, somebody has gotten saved in this house for God's glory. And for their life-changing benefit of a changed life forever. Come on, let's give the Lord a praise for that. Hallelujah. First Peter chapter 2, verse 4 says, As you come to him, a living stone rejected by men, but in the sight of God, chosen and precious. Man, you guys are chosen and precious. You yourself, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house. To be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For it stands in scripture, behold, I am laying in Zion a stone, a cornerstone chosen and precious, and whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. So the honor is for you who believe, but for those who do not believe, the stone that the builders rejected has become their cornerstone, and a stone of stumbling, and a rock of offense. They stumble because they disobey the word as they were destined to do. You remember before you gave your heart to Jesus, you were just destined for failure everywhere you went. You're just destined for it. But you, verse 9, are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people, come on, for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have, come on, received the mercy of God. You were called out of darkness. Hear me, church, church, hear me. The Rock of Gainesville, hear me. We're called out of darkness. Let us not be ones who roam around acting as though we're still in darkness. Let our lives show forth the glory of the Father who the word declares that the steps of the righteous are ordered of the Lord. He makes the crooked path straight and he shines his light where we should go and what we should do. Why? Because we're his. A chosen people. A royal priesthood. A people who were once not, but today we are the body of Christ. The family of God. God's idea for church is because God's idea was for family. 
And can I ask you, what is it the one thing that the enemy will do with all his might every day, never given a break? What does he go after in the body of Christ? He tries to get fathers to leave their wives, reject their children. He tries to rip them out of the household of family because he knows that there's strength when we're bonded. There's strength when we're family. There's strength when men will go, no, I'm no longer going to follow after the flesh. I'm no longer going to go in the way of darkness. I'm coming into the light of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I'm going to be that man that God has called me to be. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 17. And he came and he preached peace to you who were far off. How many of you were far off, man? We were far off. And peace to those who were near. For through him we both have access in one spirit to the Father. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but your fellow citizens with the saints, members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles, the prophets, with Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone. Why is church on a weekend, the gathering of the body of Christ so important? Because Jesus said it is. Because God declared it was. And because God said that we need to not forsake and we need to make sure we gather for the purpose of being grounded and founded in Jesus Christ. The cornerstone, the foundation of all that the Father does, he's going to do through the church. In whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord in him you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. Look here. We're being joined by the Spirit. All the way back in the Old Covenant, the psalmist wrote and declared that God takes the solitary and he picks them up. He moves over here and he joins us. And we become the church, the bride, the body of Christ. Not white people church. Not black people church, not brown people church, not American church. But wherever God is allowed to be God, hear me. I'm going to make a bold prophetic statement. America has every nation in the world represented living within the borders of America. Shame on the church when we still have white churches and black churches and brown churches and Asian churches. And in Russian churches, when we are living in a nation where God says, I'm going to take a people, I'm going to pick them up, and I'm going to join them. And they're going to be so joined that they're going to look like me and sound like me, and the world's going to look and know that they love God because of the way, hear me, we love one another. See, I believe the body of Christ is to break down barriers and establish a place that will glorify the Father. Glorify the Father. I'm white, can't do anything about it. Some of you are black, can't do anything about it. Some of you are brown, can't do anything about it. Some of you go down to those little tanning salons and try to do something about it. Stop (laughs) wasting your money. White people, listen to me. You're always going to be white. You don't see any black people going down to untanning booth where they like kind of suck color out of you. That'd be weird, wouldn't it? Just about as weird. Going down there and leave that alone, Pastor. Just move on. I got to give you point three because I'm already out of time. <laughs> Number three, the church family. The church family has purpose. Purpose. Now, y'all need to hang on because you got to give me five extra minutes. We're in overtime here, and I'm telling you, the best basketball games in the world, they don't mind going in overtime because they still got a chance to win. You got a chance to win. Stay with me. I'm going to give you something. Some of you are not going to like it. Some of you are going to squirm in your chairs a little bit. But hear me. This is powerful. Not because I'm saying it, because I'm saying what Jesus said. See, the church family has a purpose, and the plans and purposes of God, hear me, is not about playing life safe. It's not about the church 
gathering us in, you know, our two, our four, our eight, our 12, our 120. Gather them in. Lord, keep us safe. Protect us. Keep us from the world and help the world not to influence us. Man, God did not call us. Nowhere in scriptures it say, gather up your little uh, 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 hen group and, and, and hang on and just pray for safety. Just wait till Jesus comes back and we're going to be okay. No, he called us to be the church without spot or wrinkle, without fear, without doubt, and be willing to go into all the world with the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ so that we can change a nation in a day and we can reach a city in a week because we're no longer bound by fear, but we're saying, God, what is it that you want me to do? And I'll pay whatever price. I'm not ashamed or afraid. I'm not trying to get my little children all around me and just, Lord, protect them, keep them safe. My gosh, how about just teaching your children to trust God? How about us praying so much and so intently about something that when the answer comes, somebody knocks on our door and we don't even have time to go answer it to find out that our answer has already come because we're still in a place of prayer and faith and trust and holding on and hoping. What is it, God, that you want to do? See, Jesus didn't play it safe. If he did, he had never gone to the cross. The disciples didn't play it safe. All but one, John. All the rest of them died a horrible death as a martyr because they weren't worried about playing it safe. They were worried about standing in the presence and hearing, well done, thou good and faithful. Peter, after all of his shortcomings and mess-ups, Peter, full of the Holy Ghost, stood up and began to preach. And on that day, 3,000 people came to Christ. And then... A few chapters later, they had to stop counting because they just said so many people were getting saved, we can't even keep up with the count. And they began to go from house to house. And they began to live their lives. And when Peter came to the end of his and he realized he was about to be crucified, he said, you will not crucify me the way my Lord was crucified. If you're going to crucify me, you turn me upside down. Because I'm not worthy to die the same way my Lord died. Does that sound like somebody that's playing it safe? When Paul was walking down that corridor and being told, if you'll just reject, reject this foolishness, reject Christ, reject Christianity, and we'll make you a conqueror. And he laid his head on that chopping block and declared more than a conqueror as they severed his head from his body. Say, well, pastor, you had me this morning. It's been really good up to right now. And right now I'm going to check out. Don't check out. Check in. My gosh, it's better to die a martyr for the sake of the gospel of Jesus Christ and hear, well done, thou good and faithful, than to be a little wormy, squirmy, uh, sissy baby just sucking your thumb and wanting to hang on. God hadn't called us to live it safe. He's called us to live it bold, not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. My gosh, in America today, we think persecution is when somebody slams a door on us because we talked about Jesus. When all over the world today, people are dying. Today, they're dying. In nations of the world, people are dying today because they will not reject Jesus Christ. Don't tell me that God loves America better than he loves all the other believers in the world. Our greatest cost right now is we just got to find out, can we make it to church two weeks in a row? Ouch. If I didn't love you, I wouldn't tell you the truth. But hear me, church, you will never stand before God Almighty and say, God, I went to a church where my pastor never told me that, never told me I needed to die to self and be a disciple of Christ and, and pick up my cross and follow daily and actually go to church week after week after week with intention. You'll never be able to say, it's too late. Sorry, you're here. You can't ever stand before God. Say you didn't know. I tell you this because I'm telling you, God has a plan so much bigger than us. If we could just start worrying about feeding the flesh and find out about feeding the spirit man that says, what is it that God has called me? What is it that God's called my family, my people to do? I believe we're living in the greatest days in the history of the church of Jesus Christ. And like the early church, I think it's time we start praying, God, give us boldness. Give us boldness. Give me boldness that will take me beyond my four walls of safety. And realize that my friends are dying and going to hell. And I'm afraid to ask them, where are you with Jesus? My neighbors, they know I pull out of my driveway every week, week after week, month after month, year after year. But I've never loved them enough to go knock on their door and find out, where are you with Jesus? You see, there's only one thing that has eternal value. Do you know him? And if not... 
Why are we not doing it? And is it because we're afraid? Then my gosh, let's confess our fear and ask God for boldness. Give me boldness to love people enough to realize they're about to run into a burning building and they're going to burn, not for just now, but they're going to burn for eternity unless somehow they see Jesus in me and they want what I have. Do we have anything that's worth wanting from someone who has nothing? Life is short. Hell is real. And eternity is forever. God, help us to love our world. Help us to love our nation. Help us to love our city. Help us to love our lost relatives and our family enough to present them Jesus. Because Jesus is good. Not safe, but good. Safety will be eternity in the presence of of the one who died for us. Would you bow your head? Father, I thank you so much. I thank you for these people that are here this morning looking at me, listening, Father, to what's coming out of my heart. And I thank you that I believe that the vast majority of these people love you and they, like me, are ready to say, God, forgive me of my fear. Forgive me of my timidity. Give me boldness. Let me be so full of the Holy Ghost that I am consumed with my lost friends, my lost neighbors, my lost family. So that, Father, not so that we'll be religious or weird or mystical, but that we will be real. People are hurting. People are dying, people are lost, and people are desperate to know somebody that knows the one true God. Help us. Help us, Father, to know you in such a way that we can intimately share you with our friends. We can intimately show your love, your goodness, your mercy, that we that we will be a part of that which matters most, that we will position ourselves for eternity. I thank you for this people. I thank you for their hearts. I thank you for the work you're doing in them, as well as in Suzanne and myself, and our pastors and our leaders, our connect group leaders, those that are serving in so many areas of ministry here, Father, all of us, We need you with a greater boldness and a greater passion than we've ever known before. Because we do believe, Father, that one day, soon, you're going to be ready to send Christ to receive his bride. And we want to be ready. We want to be doing our part. We want to be a part of that church that's without spot or wrinkle, that's bold, and fiery, and on fire, and passionate. We want to raise up our children, our grandchildren, our great-grandchildren to know more about the kingdom of God than they do about all the stuff that the world has shipped down the pipeline to our kids. Lord, help us as a church, help us as a people to be more passionate and consumed about Christ than we are if our little kid or our grandchild hits a home run, shoots a basket, kicks a ball. All those things are good. They're okay, but they have no eternal value. Do they know Christ? Do our children know Christ? And if not, Father, help us to have the wisdom to lead them to you. Thank you for the work you're doing in us. Even as we prepare for Easter in a couple of weeks, help us to do our part this week to walk out of here and be open and ready for any and every divine appointment where, Father, you're opening a door where somebody has a need. Maybe they need a bottle of water or a meal. Maybe they need a helping hand. Maybe they need a smile or encouragement. Maybe they need a really godly hug. Help us to be that in our world. And help us not to be ashamed to tell them all about our Lord, our Savior, Jesus Christ. Thank you for that. Now thank you for this people. 
Bless them as they walk out of here today. Love those that need an extra dose of love today. Convict those that need conviction. Stir up in people that need faith to be greater, hope to be more fulfilled. In each of us, Father, you know who we are and what we have need of today. Do that in each one of us, I pray. In Jesus' name, every head remain bowed for just a moment. Believers, would you pray with me for just one moment? If today you are not a part of the church of Jesus Christ because you've never received the head of the church, the bridegroom of the church, you've, you've never invited Jesus to become Lord of your life. Or maybe like that young man this morning, you once knew God, once walked with him, but somehow you walked so far away that you stopped believing. But today the Father's brought you here. And if today you're ready to receive Jesus, you're ready to ask Jesus to come back in your life, you want to be a part of that amazing church that he died for. He loves you so much. And right where you're sitting today, every head's bowed, every eye closed. This is between you and Father God and me as the pastor. It would be such a privilege today for me to lead you in a simple prayer that will radically change your life forever and set you on the path of finding who you are in Christ Jesus and being introduced to the Father who loved you so much that in your mother's womb, he already had a purpose and a plan for your life. And he gave you his very best. He gave you Jesus to die so that his blood would cleanse you. In that moment, in that day of reckoning, when you come to the place, and if today is that day, won't you invite Jesus into your heart? This morning, if that's you, would you just lift up your hand and hold it and let me recognize it and lead you? In this prayer this morning that will forever change your life. This is your day. This is your opportunity. One of the most difficult decisions you ever make in your life. Because all hell is against you. Yes, thank you very much. One hand and I bless you. And I want to lead you in this simple prayer. And I want to ask you to pray with me as the whole church prays. Pray this prayer. Father God, I come to you this morning needing Jesus. Jesus, I invite you today. Come into my heart. I'm surrendering my life. I confess with my mouth. I believe in my heart that you, Jesus, are the Son of God. And the only way that I can ever be right with the Father is through you. So I confess to you my need of forgiveness, of cleansing. I'm sorry for my sin. Come into my life. Be my Savior. Be my Lord. I surrender completely to you. And I thank you, Father, for loving me this much. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Come on, give the Lord a hand. Give him an applause for what he's doing today. Thank you for listening to this message from The Rock of Gainesville. For more information about our church, visit www.therockonline.org.